Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. And just like that, Seth and I were lamenting the fact that we were losing in fantasy football for the first week. And as we come on the show, Antonio Brown scores a touchdown. So while we are still losing, we are down 17, and he still has Todd Gurley. And we have Navarro Bowman, and he still has Jordan Reed, who's put up six points. You know what? It, Seth, it could happen. I mean... It would take a minor miracle, but we're only down 17 right now. And Antonio just scored his first touchdown against double coverage. It's possible. Unlikely, but still possible. Welcome to the show, everybody. The Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio. And our first week of fantasy football, probably breaking the undefeated streak in week one. But that's okay, because like I have told Seth many a time, we are in this for the long run with Josh Gordon and Le'Veon Bell coming back week four. Disappointing, and it looks like I'm going 0-3 this week. So disappointing week in any all of my leagues. Uh, my typical, you know I play two brief. Seth, the thing Please. is, though, we have, 107, we have 171 points. We're likely to get probably 185 to 190. We will outscore everybody but three teams, as usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking at my other ones. Drew Brees, as usual, destroying me. Uh, I think I'm too. In, I, I'm like Holyfield. I'm like Tyson Ver- when he's Holyfield. I cannot beat Drew Brees. Tonight, uh, 72 points between him and Sneed, and I lose by 10. You know, such is life. Uh, a good first, a solid for, uh, first weekend of, sp- of football, you know, and we'll obviously we'll talk a little college, we'll talk a little U.S. Open, but I mean, it is the first week of the NFL season. And we'll start off before getting even into the Giants and the Jets. It was just, it was pretty remarkable to just to see the composure of all these young quarterbacks yesterday. Jimmy Garoppolo, solid. Dak uh, Prescott, I thought was very I thought was very good against the Giants. Carson Wentz, again, they were playing the Browns, so that may not count. But it was it was it was a fun first weekend. Well, except I guess if you, unless you're Sean. Well, we'll get to my, well, or it's jealousy or hatred in a little bit. But the Jets, once again, were the Jets, and they lost when they should have won. My fantasy teams went all right. But at the end of the day, you know what? It was a really nice debut for a couple of quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, I'll tell you right now, not on Terrence Williams. I don't think even if Terrence Williams get at, gets out of bounds, do they win that game. Because that would have been a 66-yard, 60, between 65 and 66-yard field goal for Dan Bailey. And while I am one of Dan Bailey's biggest fans, having him in a fantasy league, and for years have thought that he is one of the best kickers in the NFL, a 66-yard touch uh, field goal would be an NFL record. So I'm not really sure. No, I don't. I don't would it? Didn't Jason Ingram kick something longer than that? What's that? 
I think so. I don't think that would be a, that would be a record anymore. I think that was broken. No, the, I think the old picked, record was sixty-three. Some, the old that record was, well, was that was Tom Dempsey. Right, but I thought that was broken. Oh no, it's sixty-four. It My was. Fault. It was. Yep. Sixty-four, 64 is not Prater. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So sixty-six. I mean, you think of a sixty-six-yard field. That's a long. That's a long field goal. Anyway, I mean, he's kicking it from the 49-yard line. So that's a 66, 67-yard field goal. And I was impressed by the Giants yesterday. I was impressed by Olivier Vernon. I was impressed by the defense being able to shut down Ezekiel Elliott to 56 yards. Their offense, not really all that impressive. But their defense certainly did the job. I think there's a, there's bright spots all over, you know, win or lose. I mean, you know, we, we concede that Eli Manning is going to have one stupid pass every game. And whether Sterling Sharp broke off the pattern early or not, it was an absolute unfathomable pass that, that Manning made, which led to the only touchdown by Dallas. Their defense was good. Um, they bent a lot, but they, they never broke but what was as a Giants fan, what was gratifying? If you guys want to talk a little bit of football, nine, uh, excuse me, seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. Right, she was born. She started wearing a onesie. What do you have on in the background, man? Well, uh, it was okay. commercial, but now it is nothing. Sorry, my apologies. Okay, so to get back, what was gratifying was I was shocked how good the Giants' offensive line looked. A couple iffy penalties, but they ran the ball well. And a part of that was probably because all three receivers, Victor Cruz, in his first game in pretty much two years, looked fantastic, including winning, catching the game-winning touchdown. Sterling Shepard looked very good, made a brilliant uh, touchdown catch in the, in the second quarter. I believe it was the second quarter. Um, and, and Odell Beckham as well, Odell Beckham. And if you're, if these are the three receivers can stick. These three receivers can stay healthy. It is gonna, you're gonna have to have be in a in a dime or in a nickel package a lot of the time, which is gonna open up room for Vereen, Shane Vereen on the backfield, or Rashard Jennings running really well. Um, I was excuse me, excuse me. I was very happy. And again, you know, it's hard to see if I would have been happy if they if. Terrence Williams went out of bounds and they kicked the 66-yard field goal. But either way, I think you could see positives that we didn't see last year. Um, and, and that's why the Giants are one of the favorites in the NFC East, even though in the NFC East is pretty mediocre, to say the least. Well, Seth, I'll tell you one thing. They'd be a, they'd be a much bigger favorite if they actually had Sterling Sharp, which is what you said first, as opposed to Sterling Shepard. But the fact is, they do have Sterling Shepard. No, I just found it funny how you, how you said throwing sharp. I don't know if that was a a slip on your part or you just hope that he becomes Sterling Sharp, which he might very well be. Sterling no, Sterling Sharp Sterling Sharp is probably fifty five Sterling Sharp is probably fifty five years old at this point, so it, it wouldn't be really conducive to, to the youth of this team to have a fifty five year old number three receiver. Sterling Shepard, on the other hand, is a rookie. And yeah, you know, that does kind of lead to a youth. But as you said, Vernon looked good. Your old guy, Damon Harrison, looked good. The defense was solid, and we'll see where it goes. As a Jets fan, it's an interest, It's interesting. I thought the Jets outplayed my Super Bowl pick, the Bengals. 
uh, yesterday. Um, the, 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 the big negative was, you know, you're all pro cornerback, Darrell Revis, who got taken to school by A.J. Green. Now, Green's a top five receiver, but you know, he didn't have a great end of 2015, and this is not the way you wanted to see him start 2016. No. Okay, so for those that watched the game, and I'm not sure, Seth, if you wa- – I, I believe you did. AJ I did. Green I watched had some and then – I watched some and then was switching between that and red zone. Okay, A.J. Green had a tremendous game. Now, yes. is some of this on, on Darrell Rivas? Sure. Some of it is on Darrell Rivas. I mean, there were 20 – I think there were 12 uh, passes towards Darrell Rivas and 10 were caught. So – there are some that you have to say some of that is definitely on Darrell Rivers. But A.J. Green was catching everything. It was like he had stick them on his, on his hands. I mean, that one, touch, that one pass where he went on the sideline, that's not Rivas' fault. No, I, mean, I agree. So, I mean, you can say it all day that Darrell Rivas has slacked off or, or he's not the guy that he was before. I'll agree with you on that. He's not. He's four years older, but the fact is he's still one of the top ten corners, and I think a better example will be against Sammy Watkins this Thursday in what really is a game for the two teams that could define their season. Because you going coming back from 0-2, especially when both uh, losses are within the conference, is very hard for wild card play. Well, so I really Watkins think maybe – you may you may not have to worry about that. Sammy Watkins may not be playing on on Thursday. Um, well, he has announced he has announced that he is good to go. No, uh, he certainly didn't look very good in, in again against against uh, Baltimore. You know, a mediocre a mediocre defense, and you know, four catches for forty three yards is not what you expect from a number one from your number one wideout. Um, but yeah, it, it does leave you in a very uncomfortable situation at 0-2. But again, you're playing for the wild card for the most part anyway. I think everyone really kind of concedes that. And to get 9-10 to 10 wins off of 0-2 is not, difficult, is not easy. We talked about the – but if I remember correctly, when we discussed this, I thought their, the beginning of their schedule was brutal. You thought it, you thought it was a pretty good – you thought it was a, a pretty, pretty reasonable. Well, I thought that, A, I thought that they would beat the Bengals, and they outplayed the Bengals. I thought that they would beat Buffalo. I thought that they would beat Buffalo, which I still think they'll beat Buffalo. And as do I. But but the thing is about their schedule, and I understand that you win nine games and you might make a wild card, is that the second tiebreaker of the wild card is games within your conference. So they both have lost game one to a conference opponent. And now they're playing game two against the conference opponent. So to me, it's not just an 0-2. It's an 0-2 overall and an 0-2 in conference. And that is a little bit harder to come back from if you're looking for the wild card. Certainly, it certainly so, doesn't it's not, it's not it's certainly as bad a start as you could ask for. But did you see – I mean, I assume you saw some positives, though, 
you know, coming out of this game. Yes. And, and I know I'm not talking about from a moral victory standpoint, but I thought Matt Forte looked very good. I thought Fitzpatrick was decent. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought, I thought you guys played. I thought the Jets played a played a very solid game. I did. Except yeah, for Nick Falk, I, who, I, was, who was not good. No, I thought I thought the game was well played. They outplayed him. It's that simple. But and this is where I have my question of the day. Which, if you were following us on Facebook or on Blog Talk or on Twitter, you you saw the title of this show is hatred or jealousy. Seth and Sean discussed Sean's resentment towards the Patriots. So last night we watched one of those quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, play for what I would term his first full game, definitely his first full game, but his first major action. He did have a couple of snaps last year. He played as well as you could hope to. I mean, the only thing that he had a problem with was a little bit of pressure and not throwing the ball away but welcome to the NFL. I don't think that that is strictly a Jimmy Garoppolo problem. I think that's an NFL problem where you, that takes time. That takes uh, experience in knowing how to throw the ball away instead of taking a sack. And so I watched last night's game, the entire game, after I took a nice long nap during the Giants game, and wound up, Never once doubting that the Patriots are going to win that game. Rooting against them. Absolutely rooting against them. And I think I root against them for one of two reasons. Number one, look, I don't like them. I spent two years in Boston. I'm a Jets fan. And there's a standard New York versus Boston hatred in general. But I think more along those lines, and I was thinking about this both last night and this morning. I'm not very jealous. Very jealous? I don't think there's an extreme of jealous. More jealous. jealous. Right. You, You are either jealous or you're not jealous. I don't believe that I am jealous of many people for many things. It's not in my nature to be jealous. I am jealous, and I'll be flat out, of Patriot fans right now. The same way as I was jealous of Yankee fans in the 90s. Not because my team can't win, but because your team continually can. Your team continually finds a way. And I say this when, and my first thought is, when Derek Jeter and Scott Brocious hit back-to-back home runs in the Arizona Diamondback series, when you were down runs, and all of a sudden, and again, I'm a Mets fan, so you root against the Yankees, and they hit home runs in the ninth inning, and you go, what the bleep? Can they not lose a game? Because at no time during that game did I actually think they were, were going to lose. You hope for it. You pray for it. But it doesn't happen. I think the same could be said about the, the Patriots right now. I, I'm really not sure I hate them. I just, I'm jealous. There's really nothing more to say. Well, that's the first. That's the first step. To, that's the first step. Is I think this is, this is denial, except, eventual acceptance. That yes, look, it, you know, as a Giants fan, luckily I don't have to really be jealous of being uh, of the past for, well, for a variety of reasons. But it, 
you look at what they have done over the last 14 years, and you look at what the Jets have done over the last 14 years. And, I mean, it's a little bit flukish. The Jets knock out Drew Bledsoe in 2001. Uh, Mo Lewis takes him out. Quarterback who nobody wanted or really cared about was forced to come in and somehow led a team that I thought was going to be the, one of the worst in the NFL that year to as unlikely a Super Bowl victory as I can remember. Even more, I think, than the, uh, nine, than the 99 or 98 Rams, 99 Rams, which are the two most unlikely of my, I think, of my lifetime. Um, you know, and they've been able, the system works. And it's, 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 it's why, you know, in my mind, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And, you know, we've discussed this on the show a bunch of times. We've discussed it with, with other people a bunch of times. Um, you know, he, that system, he wins because of that system. Now, they, don't, they, they haven't had great wideouts. They had Randy Moss for a year or two. They had Wes Welker, who's very good. But they did not have Marvin Harrison for 12 years or Reggie Wayne for 10 years. They didn't have Edrin Gaines you know, or Dallas Clark. Well, I mean, they have Rod Gronkowski, so I guess that's, that's, certainly, that's certainly an improvement on that in that place. But, you know, they've always had serviceable defense. They've always had a wonderful game plan. And they've always had interchangeable parts. And Belichick has always been able to, you know, if it's time to leave, they, he will get rid of the player a year early. The Jets, unfortunately, have always won. You know, they, they can't even get headlines in, in, in their own town. It's why they sign big names like a Brett Favre. And, you know, and they, it seems like they've kind of gotten a little bit better about this. But, you know, you, you, they, but there's still a long way to go. And, if, you know, until you, until, you, until you can – what's the old adage? You can't, get over, you can't get over something until you can get under something. Something along those lines. And until the Jets win a Super Bowl, um, you know, you're gonna, that, that jealousy is going to just continue to persist, my friend. You like that? You like well, me throwing that one in that, my good old days. Look, I, th- I think that's true, and I think that there is a lot to be said for the fact that as a Jets fan, as a Mets fan, as an Islander fan, it's very similar in the same manner. And I say this because I once asked a Yankee fan what he thought of the Mets when he was wa- – because we turned on the Mets game. And he goes, why do I care what they do? Like, what do you mean, why don't you care what they do? He goes, why do I care? I'm a Yankee fan. Why would I care what the Mets do? Okay. You ask most Giant fans, and I'm not saying this is you, Seth, but most Giants fans, and, I say, and I'd watch a game with them, and they'd say, I'd say, so uh, are you rooting for the Jets? And they're like, maybe, maybe not. I was like, okay. You ask a Ranger fan. I think the Rangers and Islanders is a little different, but you ask a Ranger fan, about the Islanders, and they're like, yeah, I mean, I'd like them to lose, but if they win, so be it. And the Knicks, I'm, I'm, I'm the big brother. So basically, you got the three, the three teams, and we've broached this on, on the air before, similar to Maryland and Duke, where the lesser team and their fans care very much about what the better team is doing and hope that they lose. But the better team really couldn't give a rat's patoot about what the lesser team or the younger team is doing because guess what? They're the lesser team. 
Why do I care? And unfortunately, that permeates most of my sports, is the fact that I am a fan of the lesser team, so I have an undying hatred towards the winners. And I was talking to another Jets fan today, and he asked me a very interesting question. He goes, before 1992, or sorry, before, uh, before the year 2000, did you hate the Patriots? And I had to think about that for a second. And I was like, well, I hated the fact that they were in the division, so I rooted against them. But I didn't really hate them. I mean, there wasn't this hatred that I have today. And he asked me, so what team did you root against? And I go, the Dolphins. Well, why? Well, then it struck me. The Dolphins were the best team in the division. So it's not a matter of me hating the Patriots because they're the Patriots, but it's me hating the best team in the division because I'm not that best team. And I never have been. The Jets have never been the best team in that division for more than one year at a time. And maybe that's just it. So I am incredibly jealous of winning, winning teams and, uh, and their fans because I can't, with good conscience, say, even last year in the World Series for the Mets, I was jealous of the Royals, even though I made the World Series, because I didn't believe we ever belonged there, and there was no thought in my process that thought that we were going to win it. So let's move on to something else, Seth. It's the same sport, but, but different topic. We saw a lot of demonstrations this weekend in the NFL, and we're going to see one probably about two hours when Colin Kaepernick takes the field, who started all of this. What were your thoughts on the raised fist and the, people, and the Brandon Marshalls that took a knee or the Seattle Seahawks that banded together with their arms? What were your thoughts on, on those types of demonstrations compared to Colin Kaepernick, who at first wouldn't stand and then decided to kneel? Well, at least I feel a little bit more cognizant about what was going on than when we discussed this, I guess it was last week, um, where I was just kind of confused by the whole thing more than anything else. Um, I have no problem with it. I really don't. You know, part of it is because I don't believe the national anthem should be played before before these games anyway. But, but since it is, and there should be, you know, if this is the way that this is the way they feel they need, you know, as we've stated, we, as you stated much more articulately than I'm going to, if, you know, people fight in, or in the military to protect rights for people to do these kind of things. Um, I know that Seattle, Doug Baldwin, I believe it was, spoke with Nate Boyer. Nate Boyer, I think Colin Kaepernick did the same thing, you know, was a Green Beret who tried – but didn't try to make the Seahawks, but couldn't. And, you know, they discussed, you know, okay, the, you know, we understand where you're coming from, and I'm happy to sit with, you know, to, you know, and as long as they're cognizant, uh, you know, it's not, as long as it's not portrayed as a, as a specific insult to every aspect, but just more of a general that dissatisfaction, you know, and if, if this is the way that they want to show their dissatisfaction, I don't have an issue with it. I just okay, don't. so over the, last, over the last couple of weeks since this has started, I, I've put a lot of thought into this. 
And Seth, I, I don't disagree with you. And like, as, as I said in the last couple of weeks, I, I, I think that people fight for the right not to party, but to do this. And look, you can fight for the right to party too. But the fact is, I was thinking about this today while I was walking out of the gym in preparation of the show. To what end is this? Is this going to be common from now until football ceases to exist? What is the end result? What will, if this is a demonstration, what does Colin Kaepernick and Brandon Marshall and the Seattle Seahawks, I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong. In fact, I don't how, believe but it how is. Long do you keep, but how long do you keep doing it for? Right. And what, what, is, the, what is the result it? that what? you're going to get that's going to stop it? From, from, I think that's a good question. And I don't think either of us I got a better have question. An not what will stop it, but what will satisfy you? What gets you to that I'm... point where you say we've you social equality, something that's been fought for for the last hundred years, is that what you're looking for? Is that the only way that you're going to stop demonstrating? Look, Juan Carlos and uh, Tommy, help me out here. Smith, did you just Tommy Smith? Did you say Juan Carlos? I did. Is it was it not Juan John, Carlos? It's John. It's John. John, John Carlos. Carlos. I'm sorry. Juan Carlos. Okay. John Carlos and Tommy Smith raised their fists in 1968 to protest a spe- something specific. And you have not seen that since. And last night I saw Martellus Bennett and Devin McCourty uh, raise their fists as well. And you saw da- uh, Danny Amendola hold on to the flag. You saw different demonstrations by different players. But I ask the same thing. To what end? Where does this... It doesn't have to stop. I'm not saying it does. But what is the end goal? What are we looking for? What are you looking for being Colin Kaepernick? And I wish somebody would ask him this question. And I might tweet it out to him tonight and ask him that question. I'm not sure I'll get a response. In fact, I probably won't. But the fact is, I think that is an important question that is yet to be asked. To what end? Where does this stop? And where does, if this is a protest against something, where does the rebuilding start? And I'd be very interested in knowing his response or Brandon Marshall's response. Speaking of Brandon well, Marshall, is it Brandon, Mar- is it Brandon Marshall or is it Brandon Marshall or or Keith Marshall? No, Brandon Marshall of the Denver the Broncos. Broncos. I thought his name was yes. Keith Marshall. No, okay, definitely Brandon Marshall. There are two Brandon Marshalls. And Roethlisberger just scored it to Threw Eli Rodgers. Threw a touchdown, excuse me. Threw a touchdown. It looks like to Eli Rodgers. Uh, so they have taken a 14 to, 14 to, uh, sorry, 13 to 6. Don't count the extra point yet. 13 to 6 uh, lead with 27 seconds left in the first half. So, um, yeah, I'd be very interested in – oh, it actually bounced off of Sammy Coates and into the arms of Eli, Mar- Eli Rogers. And this is another one where you kind of go, you know the Steelers are the Steelers and they'll win this game. 
jealousy. And it may be the fact that the uh, getting back to where I'm going was going before. Maybe it's the fact that I just don't have a franchise quarterback. I believe in and haven't for a very long time. That may be it too. So I don't know, man. Christian Hackenberg just walked through that door. I know. Okay, getting back to what Brandon Marshall. I was very interested in seeing that Brandon Marshall lost his second um, his second endorsement today, and I saw the article. It was for Century uh, Link or Century Communications. I was very interested in seeing what his response would be, because sometimes when you make your not sometimes when you make your bed you have to lie in it there, there for every for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction or so said isaac newton and the opposite reaction is going to be you protest the military you protest the flag and people aren't going to like you not all people but some people are not going to like you and certain companies i believe will distance themselves from these players if these players continue doing what they do but I have to give Brandon Marshall a lot of credit. He goes, I know this was going to be a repercussion of what I did, but it doesn't make me believe it any less. And for that, for that, I hold my hat up because that is taking responsibility. That is taking uh ownership of your action, not saying they shouldn't be doing this. That's their opinion as much as it is his to put his knee down and watch. So good job by him. I won't say whether the company was right or wrong. That's in their own business interest. College football. Do we have to talk about Syracuse? 66-28 Friday night. Now, the the loss may look a little better next week when LS, when uh, Louisville plays play Florida State. Um, Lamar Jackson, yeah, he pretty much ran it through all of you guys. But again, not a you're losing to a team to a top ten, top fifteen team. So no real shame in that. And now you can kind of go on with your schedule as opposed to us, who played Florida International, which I I know best as the school that is thirty feet from where my parents have a house down in Boca. Um, and believe me, I, I, I've never visited their football their football uh, stadium. Uh, winning by 30, and yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, they, they play University of Central Florida next week, and then they go into their Big Ten season. A couple interesting, you know, stories. I mean, the big one being Oklahoma State losing on a hail, an amazing hail mary that unfortunately never should have happened. Uh, Sean, you read about this? I have. Mike Gundy is furious. Well, Mike Gundy's always furious. But, but he's a he's, man. He's a man. He's 40. He's a man. I guess but he did that He did that stick about five years ago, so I guess he's 45 now. He still has the ugly mullet, I think. But, um, but yeah, Oklahoma State, I, I forget the specifics, but there was an intentional grounding on force. I, I don't know the exacts of it, but – my understanding was the, that Central Michigan never should have gotten a play. They were, they were, Central Michigan, uh, Oklahoma State was running out the clock, and they, they did it weirdly, and somehow there was a loss of down play where, they, where Central Michigan was granted one play. And it, I've never seen a Hail Mary hook and ladder before. 
And even if he, even though they should not have gotten the playoffs, it was pretty amazing to watch. I assume you've seen. I assume you've seen it. I have seen it. What Mike Gundy is now stating is that he will not sign. So normally, when you have these types of uh, interconference play, whether it be FCS or 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 a smaller Mid American conference or a MAC conference. In the contract, you delineate whose refs are going to be in that in that uh, whose refs are going to be refereeing that contest. And these were not Power Five refs; these were not Big Twelve refs. And Mike Gundy has now stated that he will never sign a contract with to play another team unless they are Power Five refs. And is that Jay Billis on? Oh no, it's Matt Hasselback. Oh, My bad. No, the guy, the other guy, the other oh, bald okay. guy, to the left of Randy Moss, who looks rather dapper, although the blue suit doesn't exactly work well on TV. So anyway, yeah, Mike Gundy is absolutely furious, and he has every right to be. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a down week for actual games for actual matchups in college football this year, this week. Um, you know, a couple of notes, Arizona State, I think it was Kellen Bollage had eight touchdowns against Texas Tech, which, which tied Howard Griffin's all-time NCAA record. Um, Ellis, Ellis, uh, LSU didn't look very good again. Um, Clemson is still not – Clemson has not looked very good again. Georgia only beat Nichols. I don't. I've never even heard of Nichols, and maybe it was an old, the old Nichols State by two. Um, but there, there should be some. There are better games next week. Pretty much headlined by Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss Alabama is next week, and I know that there uh, that Louisville Forest State is next week. So there should be there should be some hot, should be should be some heavyweight games coming up over the next few weeks. Um. I, Jump back to the NFL a little bit. What else do you want to touch on for games? You know, we talked a bit about the Jets. We talked a bit about the Giants. We talked a bit about the about New England. Any other games that you want? I kind of want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Raiders Saints game. What were your thoughts on Jack Del Rio with it with the Raiders score with the Raiders scoring to go get to a touchdown with about forty seconds left to go down two to go down one instead of going for the tie on the road against a Drew Brees who tore the tore up a Raider, a mediocre Raiders defense. What are your thoughts on them going for two? Okay, so the old adage is when you are at home you go for the win, when you're on the road you go for the tie, right? No, no the, I thought it was the opposite. Oh it's the op- oh you're right, you're right. It's the opposite. Sorry. The old adage is on the road you go for the win, at home you go for the tie. Because then you can play the uh you can play the game with uh, the crowd. My opinion is there was no way they were going to outscore Drew Brees in overtime. I just don't think it was going to happen. I think Brees was carving up that defense so much that whoever had the ball last was going to win. And props to Jack Del Rio. He put his money where his mouth was. Now, to be yeah, fair, Derek Carr was completely Derek Carr was completely ripping up the Saints defense as well. Agreed. But 
I believe, and I'm going to look this up, I believe the yardage was certainly with – hold on a second. The yardage was definitely with, uh, with uh, the Saints. And I, I agree. I agreed with it. I think more teams should go for two, especially with a 33-yard extra point. That's no given. We saw that yesterday, right? I mean, Nick Falk missed one. I believe uh, the Matt Prater missed one. Did it, was there one that was missed in the Giant game as well? Yeah, Randy Bullock missed one. So Randy Bullock missed one. So so three extra points were missed. So the 33-yarder is not necessarily a given. And if that's not a given, I don't have a problem ever going for two at any point. Going for two was a 50-50 proposition last year. So why not go for two more? So, uh, excuse me, Derek Carr threw for 319 yards and one score. Drew Brees threw for 423 yards and four scores. So, Brees was doing a lot better of a job throwing the ball. Well, the Raiders were definitely running it better, 167 to 88. So, like I said before, I, I have no problem with this call whatsoever. I would have made it earlier and more often in most of these games. I think you're going to see a lot more of that since you're since you're seeing more and more uh, extra points missed. Another fun one: Detroit after after going up twenty one or going up twenty four three beats in the Indy on the last play of the game on a Matt Prater field goal. This is a team, you know. I I, I said I didn't Indy scares. You know, I know Indy's pretty much the, is, is kind of the consensus favorite in in the AFC South, but they do scare, that defense scares me. That offensive line scares me. I'll be honest, that whole team scares me. But good for Detroit and Matthew Stafford, you know, throwing the ball all over the place. I don't think they're going to, Detroit's going to be very good, but they are going to be fun to watch this year. Well, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of weapons and they, they're not necessarily go utilizing one guy like Calvin Johnson. I think I said this last week that I thought that Stafford would actually have a better record, a better uh, stats this year because there is no Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson. So I completely agree with that wholeheartedly in that they will be a very fun team to watch going forward. Some of the more boring games, Baltimore beats Buffalo 13 to seven. We could talk about Denver and Carolina, which happened what seems like a moon time ago, but yet was only five days ago. Trevor Simeon did everything he needed to do. And, again, kind of the same way as the Pats. Did you ever think that there was a shot that Denver wasn't going to win that game? Because I didn't. Not one time. Not sure if I didn't think so or I was hoping that they wouldn't. I don't know. Um, but that all, that even brings up another issue with the absolute demolition that Cam Newton went through. Um, you know, I'm curious. I'm, I'm surprised. You know, they were. I don't know if he had a concussion. They were. Denver was was beating the living, living heck out of him. 
and that he survived the concussion protocol absolutely stunned me. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that I, I, I actually thought they were going to win. So, you know, what do I know? But um, it was it was a fun first game, and hopefully Newton's okay and they'll be fine going forward. And you know, Trevor Simeon looked solid, you know was serviceable, and that's all that's all you were kind of hoping from for that team from that team. And it's you know it, it was if, if if Carolina can't win in De- you know losing Denver even to. I thought it was more encouraging for Carolina. Kelvin Benjamin looked out, looked good in his first game back in a year. Their offense looked fine. You know, no big injuries. Losing at Denver, there's no in a, in a week. You know, when you're in a weak division, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to kill you too badly. So, you know, such is what such is. Um, well, once you know, again, other... but we did we did touch upon one thing last week. Who's the, who did you say was the most valuable player? Not best player, but most valuable player to their franchise. We said Russell Wilson. Mr. Russell Wilson got a big scare yesterday with an ankle injury, and there are reports he may not play next week. So Seattle's in a lot of trouble if he's not playing week two. Uh, Their running game was okay. It wasn't great. I'm looking up who they play next week. Give me one second. I got right here. Seattle's. They play the Rams which is not a bad game for them to actually have if they're losing Russell Wilson. But, again, they have nobody behind him. And now we look at RG3 and a guy that they could have traded for, perhaps, and Josh McCown or Cody Kessler no longer are going to be available because the Browns are minus RG3. And could this be the last time that we see RG3 on the field? I don't know. It's... With with Josh McCown and Cody Kessler, if McCown plays well, you know this may be the last chance of him starting. Not sure it's going to be the last chance of him um, in in uniform. Um, but if it does, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it goes down as a as one of the great wasted talents, or just someone whose talent was over was overrated to begin with. And unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to find out. I think no, I agree with that. You know, the the worst one of the week, and you know, to a team that of all of all the teams in the NFL, the team that could probably least afford a star player to be injured because they have so few of them. Uh, Keenan Allen, who comes back after a lacerated kidney last year, is helping San Diego tear apart Kansas City and Arrowhead, and tears his ACL. And Kansas City comes back from 21 to win the game. What you know, a class act. What a what a damn shame. So this is going to be another year of rehab. You know, a, 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 another year of wasted talent, of wasted time for Keenan Allen and that San Diego team without him. Philip Rivers is on an island with, with without without much help. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt with that. They are definitely in a lot of trouble, but we have to hope that Travis Benjamin comes through a little bit, right? Because he's our guy. He's our guy going forward. Yeah. So, other than that, what's going on in sports? Well, 
the U.S. Open just concluded, and Lord knows I know nothing about that, except for the fact that a guy named Stan Warinko won, who I think I've heard of maybe three or four times on this program, and he beat uh, our your boy Djokovic. Anything wrong with Djokovic? I know he had a bad wrist at one point, right? No, well, Rink is well, nothing wrong with him. Um, Djokovic had the easiest run to the final to the finals in the history of the Grand Slam. He had two walkovers. He had a guy in the semis who barely showed up for reasons unknown to anybody. And he just kind of, he hasn't had a great summer. Um, Warinka is one of those guys who always plays the top guys really, really well. He's ranked number four in the world. And he has, you know, there are guys who have fear going into, you know, big matches, and he's not one of them. And he's beaten Djokovic at majors before. And the first three sets were unbelievable, really hot. And I was switching back and forth. It was great for me between that and the Giants game. And, um, you know, he, the fourth set, he just took control and won pretty easily. And right now he's a top three player in the world. And, you know, as a guy who was over, always overshadowed by Roger Federer, from both, both being from Switzerland, that's a credit that in his early 30s, he's really become this player. You know, that's the story. And then Serena Williams, after seeming an eternity at number one, um, relinquished the number the, the number one overall seating in, in the Women's Tennis Association to Angelique Kerber, who won the U.S. Open. Um, I mean, Serena is still the undoubted, undoubtedly the best player in the one women's tour, even at her age. She's been playing very many tournaments this year, and Kerber had a phenomenal year. Um, but it, it was it was not the most eventful. There were a couple of really great matches. Uh, the Rafael Nadal being knocked out was a phenomenal match. And there's finally some hope for some of the Americans, the younger ones, Jack Stock, uh, Francis Tiafoe, Taylor Fritz, James Donaldson, on the men's side, Madison Keys on the women's side. Um, you know, after it seems like an endless parade of mediocrity on the men's side for the Americans, and, you know, it's been pretty much the Williams sisters and no one else for the last four or five years after Lindsay Davenport retired on, on the women's side, there is a little bit of hope, um, you know, finally for tennis. I'm not sure how big it's going to help. It's going to grow the team game. It's not, you know, it's more of a game to play than to watch, but it's, it's nice to see some Americans doing well. Oh, totally agree. What, what's come down also in other sports, and we put tennis in the other sports, suspension of Ryan Lochte this week. Ten months, some fines. Enough, not enough? What, what are your thoughts? Meaningless. Um, he's not going to – he's going to be on Dancing in the Stars, I think, starting tonight. He – and I believe the world championships are a year from now. I mean, he may be suspended for the world championships. I don't know. No, he's, but suspended. If he's, ten... he's suspended. He's suspended for um, the world championships. It's not going to hurt his brand. You know, his brand, you know, unfortunately in this, in this era, you know, the lovable, you know, the, the kind of a lovable dumbass of a better term is extremely popular. And, you know, people are going to say, oh, he's, you know, it's stupid, it's stupid, it's ridiculous, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, people are going to watch it. People are going to, people are still, it's, it's the, it's the better, no, better bad publicity than no publicity. Because otherwise, realistically, how much are you going to think about Ryan Lochte until, unless he, ever again, unless he's going to the Olympics in 2020? This does keep him in the limelight. 
So I don't think it hurts him whatsoever. Well, let's continue on with swimming and whatnot. In in the concept that the NCAA – so did you know the NCAA allows bonuses for Olympic medals? So if you win an Olympic gold, you get a – I believe it's a $25,000 bonus. And the NCAA allows you to keep that bonus if you're still a swimmer or really? or whatever. So, but you cannot – you cannot – um, earn more money. You cannot be like professional. So right, you can, that. and well, they can keep bonuses. Over. Yeah, they can. You can get training money, or a gold medal is worth twenty five thousand dollars. A silver is fifteen, and a bonus is ten. So like Katie Ledecky, what had like six golds, so she got like yeah, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I, I think she got four golds and a silver or something along those lines. But, yeah, I, I, I get your point. Um, okay. Oh, good for her. Because that means she's entering so, college. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, the, for some countries, though, those bonuses, so in the in, in you're allowed bonuses. You can't say you're allowed a $25,000 bonus. You can't basically separate what bonuses you can get and what bonuses you don't. So you remember a guy named Joseph Schooling, the guy that that won the Singapore, the Singapore guy. Yeah, yeah. How about three quarters of a million dollars in a bonus from Singapore? In, in Singaporean currency or in American currency? In American dollars, he won. He got more than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. So with that in <laughs> mind, Mark Emmerich, who we all love, know and love has said that the NCAA may consider allowing college athletes to compete in the Olympics to accept payments for performance. So those play, so they would be both professionals and amateurs at the same time. So basically, if I recall correctly, you remember the skier that played football? I can't remember his Jeremy name. Blue. Jer- Jeremy Blue. Played in Colorado, I think played for, for the Eagles right. for a little while. What was his last name? Bloom. B-L-O-O-M. Bloom. Jeremy Bloom, yeah. So Jeremy Bloom wasn't allowed to take money for skiing, if you recall, and still play at Colorado, right? Because of that. Now, that would be, not only could he take money for skiing, but he could ski at Colorado if he wanted to. Just an interesting sidebar as to what's going on. In other NCAA news, which I also found interesting, the NCAA, by the way, field goal by Pittsburgh, good. Pittsburgh up 17-6, to six, with about six minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, sorry, 11 minutes left in the third quarter. The NCAA has withdrawn the NCAA tournament from the state of North Carolina next year. So the first and second rounds were supposed to be in the state of North Carolina next year, I guess in Charlotte. And lucky for me, the ACC tournament is at Barclays. But they have withdrawn, they pulled seven championship events out of North Carolina. I have to say, good for the NCAA. That, that's showing something to me. 
is I definitely didn't think that that would ever happen because that means more money. That means that they have to spend more money. So good for them. We're going good and bad this week. If you're ESPN and you have built up your fantasy football site so much (laughs) and advertised it so much over the last year, particularly in wake of the fact that FanDuel and DraftKings had to go through so many problems that you basically said, we are the fantasy league. How on God's green earth do you go week one and not be able to utilize it? Matthew Berry did uh, apologize for the ESPN fan uh, fan, uh, ESPN fantasy app fail today, but I don't know about you. That was an epic fail. Kind of a funny fail to me. Um, the enjoyment of watching so many people suffering, seemingly suffering over this. I mean, I'm one of those guys, you know, yes, I, I, I love the draft almost more than I love the team, like having, love having the team. So I look, but I'm not obsessing over it on a, on a minute-to-minute basis. And watching my Facebook be torn up with, you know, FESPN, you know, yada, 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 stuff like that, I thought it was extremely funny. And the – whole idea of (laughs) the idea we all know people like this that every two seconds are looking and you know are living and dying this and the idea that they can't see it on a minute to minute basis just kind of cracked me up a little bit Uh, it was obviously it was obviously a cluster F and a half but you know these things happen and it's they're still the preeminent, you know, I, I guess it would be ESPN and it's probably the only place that Yahoo still has a, a draw, you know, has a pretty big, but a pretty big, you know, market share, but it really is ESPN's fantasy football. And then everyone else is 10 times behind. So it, the annoyance of it, a one-off is not going to hurt them. If it happened more than once, then they could have some problems going going into to further into future years with this because it'll the one time I don't think it's going to leave that bad of an impression you know kind of in retrospect I don't think it'll hurt it too much but I thought it was pretty funny. It actually it actually was one of my funnier moments was yesterday so I was coming home from a weekend of traveling shocking that Sean was traveling on a weekend and I'm on the train ride home the subway from Yankee Stadium there are five or six guys that obviously play fantasy sports. They're probably about 25, 26. And they were just lamenting the fact that they couldn't get their fantasy stats. And they were wondering why they can't get them. And look, I'm a fantasy guy. I was watching my fantasy leagues while in the car yesterday, but I wasn't cursing ESPN. In fact, I think I called Seth and said, it's not working. He's like, yep, it's not working. And I just went on and that was it. And every once in a while, I check it. But these guys were screaming that they couldn't get their fantasy. They Actually, there was one guy amongst the five of them that didn't play fantasy, and he basically was being ostracized because of it. Oh, you can't be part of this conversation, which I incredibly found funny. So the last part of the conversation was who the Yankees were going to play next. Now, I have my headphones on, so I'm not engaging in the conversation, just listening. And the Yankees had lost, so they figured out that the Yankees were playing the Dodgers next. And two of the guys said to each other, 
oh, thank God, we miss Kershaw. He's hurt. He's not going to play. No big deal. We'll be fine. And at the moment that I'm getting off the train, I take off my headphones and I look at them and I said, guys, by the way, Kershaw pitches Wednesday. Good luck with that. And I walk off <laughs> to a bunch of cursing. <laughs> the same cursing and venom that was at ESPN is now directed at Sean Palmer. But it gave me a little laugh because these guys are like 25 years old and don't know, don't know the Yankees losing at all. It's, all. it's always been for their lives, the Yankees winning. So a little bit of veteranol was never a bad thing. So we got five minutes left. Seth, would you like to start first? Uh, yeah, not too much really to discuss. Oh, I guess I should. I, sh- I shouldn't say that. Um, CM Punk, the the world famous WWE wrestler, you know, took two years off from his life to to, to try to train for the MMA, for, for MMA. And you know, he fought in the UFC card on Saturday night and was taken out in within two minutes. Uh, by a relatively, you know, mediocre newcomer. And, you know, that there was not not a huge surprise. But kind of com- I want to credit him for his commentary afterwards, pretty much saying, look, you know, the harm isn't in failing, the harm isn't not trying. You know, and I'm paraphrasing, but that was the gist of it. And it's true. Um, you know, those of us who, I mean, even to do the radio show, we don't know, you know, from the from a week to week basis, we have had we've had twenty listeners, we've had two thousand listeners, we've had, actually we've had ten thousand listeners. But you know, you, the fun of it, but without even trying, you know, in both Sean and I, this was kind of our dream at some point, not you know, to do something along these lines. And you know, you do it because it, it's worth it's worth doing. It's fun. And you take a shot, and whether, you know, and I think we've done a good job over the years for the most part. And you know, and it's true in every aspect of your life. Is what's the whole thing? You know, you lose a hundred. You lose a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take, whether it's in work, whether it's in dating, whether it's in anything. So credit to CM Punk, um, you know, even in a losing effort for kind of presenting that to the audience, presenting that to his fans, and presenting that as his rationale for doing this, which I find admirable. Okay, so we got one minute left to go. If you have the time, take a look at the MMQB by Peter King. I know that Seth and I both read this. They are raising fun, funds for a band, and you know band and music is, is dear to my heart. I have already contributed in, by the way, um, Kirk Cousins just threw a pick and Pittsburgh's running it all the way back. To be to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, and he's down at the 10 so, with a flag on the play. Anyway, I'm not going to get into this because I don't have time. I will post this on the Seth and Sean Facebook page and on Twitter. Please look at it. Donate if you can, because like I said, music is near and dear to my heart. These kids deserve to play their instruments, and they have none right now. So please donate if you can. I've already donated my amount, and uh, it's for a very good cause. So for Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio, blocking the back on Pittsburgh, so it'll be coming back a little bit. But still, they have the ball, I believe, at about the 25-26. For Seth Kamen, this has been Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. See you all next week. Bye-bye.